Good morning, Journey. Let's stand and worship this morning.
Good morning, everybody. We want to just worship God and celebrate. And I'm telling you, this I did a funeral um, just a couple days ago out of town. And as I was at, we did the funeral, then we had the graveside. And just being around <clears throat> all of those gravestones and, you know, surrounded by thousands of, you know, people who have gone before. And reading the passages where it says that on that day when the trumpet sounds, that the dead in Christ will rise first. They'll actually come up out of the ground, meet the Lord, and then we will join them in the air. This, the return of Christ, not something we hear a lot talked about in our generation, but that just being in that environment was something so exciting to think about. Would you like to be in that place at that moment? I mean, you talk about, you know, the walking dead or something. This is like the rising dead. It's like, this is going to be one crazy day when the trumpet sounds. But we have a celebration today. Today is the first Sunday. I'm Dave, one of the pastors. I want to welcome you. On the first Sunday of the month, we pause to just remember what it's all about. Why we gather and why we celebrate is, is not because we need something to do on a Sunday morning because you slept so much last night you wanted to get up early and do something, you know, religious. It's, it's, it's because there's a hope. There's something that's going on in the world that God has ordained and designed, and you get to be a part of it. When you step up, you come forward and you say, God, I want to be a part of whatever you're doing in the world. I need to be a part of something that gives me healing and life. I, I don't want to just live and pass the days and then someday end up, you know, just like everybody else, broken and alone. I, I, want, to, I want to make my life count. And so when you got up this morning and you stepped out of that bed and you got here, this whatever you went through to get here, this is the moment. I want you just to take a deep breath. Come on, everybody, take a breath. Let it out slow. I'm living in the presence of the Almighty. Anything is possible. Whatever you walked in with this morning, God is aware of it. Before you even opened your eyes and that crazy thing that went off and disturbed your sleep, God was at work preparing for what he would do in and through you today. And why we celebrate on the first of the month this thing called communion, what we're doing right now is because Jesus came to the earth. It says he came to be our substitute. He came to take our place in our sin. It's kind of like if I was being a little careless and I pull out from a blind corner and I just pull into somebody's path and I cause an accident that, that actually does incredible damage to somebody. Maybe somebody loses their life. I may feel so badly about that. I may wish like anything and everything. I may beat myself. I may try to raise money for the family. I may do, but I can never return a life that has been lost. You know, the scriptures talk about the fact that when you and I sin, we are the casualty of that. We are the ones when we defy God, disobey God, when we push back and go our direction against his direction, even if it's a blind corner, like, well, I didn't know, you know, I didn't really understand the consequences. I, I didn't really know how it was going to go. That's called sin. When we violate God's plan, it's called missing the mark. Sin is an archery term. And when you don't hit the target, it's a deviation from the truth. And that's, that's where we are. We've all deviated, the Bible says. We all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But here's the incredible thing about our God. You, you have no idea how much you are loved. You have no idea how much God cares about you, how much he thinks about you, how much he's prepared your steps, and even, even allowed these moments to come together in a perfect way that you would be here just today so he could speak to you. Well, the scripture says because of your condition, because your crash with reality means that you now 
when a life is taken, a life must be given. That's how it is, man. And Jesus came on the scene and said, yes, it's kind of like the judge saying, you are guilty. You did that thing. And your life is forfeit. You took a life. You must now surrender your own. But then the judge steps out from around. He hits the gavel, says, you're guilty. He steps out from around, and he steps into your place, gives you the freedom to go behind his stand, and he said, I'll take the punishment. That's what God did. We call it substitutionary atonement. A substitute is somebody who takes your place. And that's what Jesus did. Usually substitutes don't fare so well. How many of you teachers, you know that? (laughs) Substitutes take a beating, right? They're taking the place of somebody. And the substitute for our sin, Scripture said, Jesus Christ died in our place when he was crucified on the cross. God is 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God, literally swapping places, our substitute. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He put to death in the body. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. When we come to communion, what we're doing is we are walking towards that sacrificial substitution. We're walking and we're holding that little bread, piece of bread is a reminder that, that somebody else went on that cross to pay for sin. And Jesus said, remember me. When you do this, remember me. So the point is for us to not feel terrible, oh, Jesus, you know, you did. The, the point is to realize you are free. Your past, your sins, everything is forgiven. Jesus paid the full punishment. You don't pay for what's already paid for. You step into it and enjoy it. When somebody buys your meal, you don't go up and pay for it again. You just thank them and you just enjoy the meal. That's what God has done on your behalf. So when you take communion, that little bread wafer is a reminder of his body that was stretched out and tortured and took all the wrath of God for every sin. When you take the little cup, that's a reminder of his blood that was spilled because, man, blood is required for the forgiveness of sins. And that is yours substitute. So when you take communion today, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is really important. If, if that's what you believe and you have stepped into that relationship, anybody's welcome who has believed that. Anybody's welcome. We don't have, you know, members only kind of thing here. This is open communion. If you believe Jesus has taken your place and you want to celebrate that today, this is for you. So take the little cup, take the little wafer, return to your seats. Anytime during the next two songs, you can go get one of the elements in the four stations in the corners. Go back to your seat, and during worship, just do the celebrating that's appropriate for a person who's had a substitute take your place and give you life. Let's worship together, and as we do, again, during the next two songs at any point, you can find your way, get the elements. I want to pray over that. Father, as we come today, the life that you've given, yours, and the life that you've saved, mine, ours, it doesn't make sense unless... You are just crazy in love with your people. And that is why we come today. Because not only did you do that, but you want to do amazing things in our lives too. And we just want to get in line and say, here we are, Lord. Do your work and heal. Do your work and forgive. Do your work and renew. Do your work and restore. Give us hope. Give us wisdom. Give us insight so that we can live this life to the fullest. 
We give you thanks for your sacrifice of your body. We give you praise for spilling your blood for us. And we receive that today by faith and in gratitude we worship. All of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's continue our worship.
church soon. And as you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear. We lost your life, so why you can find it here? If you left the grave behind you, so
Good morning, Journey Church. It's Communion Sunday. I'm here to talk about tithes and offerings, and I was just thinking when I, uh, Dave was talking about uh, Communion Sunday, what a, what a greater tithe that was to the people that he loved. I was in a AMPM this weekend, and I walked out, and, and uh, you know, there's a guy sitting there, you know, peddling, and, and um, and I heard all the voices in my head say, I didn't, did I say voices? I meant voice, one voice. <laughs> Urging me to um, give him something. And, you know, of course, all the things go off in your head. Well, what if he's not going to spend it on the right things? And, you know, what's he going to do with it once I give it to him? And, and God's not really concerned about that. Uh, what I realize is that God is concerned about relationship with you. It made me realize that giving it's not just really about the giving and the receiver. It's about the relationship that you have with Christ. It's can you hear God's voice? Can you hear him moving on you and with you and asking you to participate in his kingdom? One of the things I always used to hear in church, one of the, one of the uh, Bible verses was um, Luke 6, 38. And I'm sure some of you heard it before. It says, Given will be given to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be put into your lap. For with the measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. Now, I used to see that as God saying, and I and I'd heard it many times put this way, that, you know, just give a little bit, God will just pour this abundance out over you. But as I've grown older and as I've become more of a mature Christian, I've realized that what he's saying is, if you meet me at the 10-yard line, that's where I'm going to meet you. And I will meet you there happily and eagerly and with more that you bring to me just to let you know that I love you that much. If you meet me at the 20-yard line, I will meet you there. If you want to meet me at the 70-yard line, I will meet you there because I'm interested in growing you as a disciple in my kingdom. I want you so badly to understand my son or my daughter that I want you to be part of this, this kingdom that's coming, this kingdom that is, this kingdom that will be forever. I want you home in it, and I want you to be a part of it. I like Bible verses because they don't make me think I'm crazy, because when the voice is, I mean the voice speaks to me, it backs it up. So uh, again, this is Luke 6, but this is, this is um, verse 40. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained, and that's what this is about. That's what giving is about. It's one of the spiritual, I believe, disciplines. It's about being trained. It's about growing as a Christian. When he is fully trained, 
he will then be like his teacher. We were made in the image of God. And it's hard for us to understand and accept that that could be possible. But these things that we do along the way, such as giving, is, is part of growing into that image. And, and God willing, when the time goes, time comes and it's time for us to go home, we'll be really close to being in that image. So as the answers come forward, let's pray. God, I, I ask, first of all, I want to give thanks for the people that have given before us that we might have this building and, and facilities and, and air conditioning and lights and instruments to enjoy each other, you, uh, come before you and worship with you, and to get to know you. I also pray that you would move on our hearts and help us to understand fully that that's what you meant when you called us disciples. That's what you meant when you said we were made in your image. So help us to accept that fully, Lord, and wholly, deep within our hearts and souls. Amen. There's three different ways you can give. You can give in person, you can give online at avjourney.com, and you can give through the mobile app, which the number is 661-441-3511. And actually, I like that one because you can choose repeat. So you don't have to go through hearing the voice every time on Sunday. Thanks, church. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Super excited to be with you guys this morning. If you're new this morning, welcome. We're glad to have you. Um, if you're in fifth and sixth grade, you can go ahead and head out to the lobby. Your teacher is going to meet you there and take you over to the other building. Uh, I just want to make you guys... Maybe you hear this every week, so I'm sorry, but I want to make you guys aware of a couple things that we have readily available for you here in the building. If you have a little one and you need some privacy in the back left corner, we have a cry room that you can go to. You can be comfortable in there. There's a couch you can hear and see everything as well. Um, out those doors and to the right is our hotspot. That's Information Central here at Journey Church. Uh, you can receive any information that you need there, um, any extra information outside of what I'm going to communicate to you guys right now. Um, every week we've been doing our Wednesday family connect event that's been going really really well um, we're excited to share those times with you guys and connect on a deeper level in our midweek service um, the times for that I do youth in the other building that's been really awesome too we start at youth at the other building we start at 6 hang starts at 6 um, the service is gonna start at 630 over here for the young ones and for you adults it's gonna start at 630 you guys are gonna start at 630 to 830 um, and yeah it's just been a really a really awesome time for us to connect um, 6.30 to 8. Sorry, I messed up. But 6.30 to 8. It's been an awesome time. We've been having fun. Um, next up, we have actually three people um, in the near future leaving for mission trips. We really believe in what God's doing around the world here at Journey Church. So if you guys feel it on your heart to participate in that, you guys can head out uh, those doors and to the right at the hotspot. You can participate um, in in a financial way if you would like um we have yeah we're sending pe two people to uganda and another person to india and you guys can help us participate in that if that's something that you feel like you want to do um also all a lot of our women are at women's retreat this weekend um we hear they're having an awesome time so if you guys want to join us in praying for them um, we're just praying that God would bless them with some fresh revelation as they come back. If you're new this morning, we do have a gift for you. That's going to be in the hotspot, as I mentioned earlier. Um, you can head over there. Yeah, we're going to have a little something for you guys if you're if this is your first time here at Journey Church. If you guys would, go ahead and stand up. Say hi to someone around you as we get ready for the message.
Good morning. How are we doing today, Journey? First service, always with the energy. <laughs> Got a lot of dads in the building with moms away at retreat, so we're excited for our moms to come back safe today. Oh, my dad's looking a little haggard. No, <laughs> got to take care of all them kids by themselves. We're excited. Today is uh, a day I get to speak because it was my dad's birthday this very week. So you can send him some late birthday wishes. Pretend like you knew all along. <laughs> Pastors are always expected to remember everybody's birthday. So we want to reverse it now. And now you're expected to know ours too. So <laughs> we're going to flip the script on you a little bit. This morning, we're going to talk about, we're in this series, The Way. And it's been such a cool series. Getting to listen to my dad talk about this concept has actually been so um, just incredible. It's been fun to watch um, and now getting to participate in. I started really praying through what God had in store for us this morning, and I'm excited. I really am. I think this is a topic, and I think this is an area of conversation that I particularly feel really passionate about. Um, so I want to just pray real quick. I know we've done a lot of praying this morning, but I just want to invite God into this because I feel like this moment matters. And I just want us to begin to engage our hearts. I don't want this to be time to just tune out, go through the motions. This is a moment I believe God wants to meet with you today. You specifically, whether you came in feeling super spiritual or maybe you're hungover, I don't know, but you're here. And I believe if you are here, it's because God's got something to say to you. So let's just pray really quick, can we? God, I just pray over your word this morning says that your word does not return void. So God, we expect and we believe for you to move in the hearts of your people, your bride, your church. Let it move in us individually so that we can come together as a unified body, as one, that it would transform us, that we would see you, Lord God, and hear what you have to say. Let your will be done. In your name we pray, amen. How many of you guys like shows where they restore things? There's so many shows on like TLC and these different shows where they like go to antique stores and they refurbish this old, they take old furniture or they take like random things and they create something new out of it. How many of you have ever watched Fixer Upper? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Taking something old, dilapidated, all kinds of ugly and they renew it, they beautify it. Or if you've even watched Oprah or some of those shows, they get women up on there and they give them a whole makeover, right? We love this idea of renewal, do we not? The idea of renewal is something that I, th I think it intrigues us. I think that's why some men, they, they love cars. They take old cars, they restore them, they renew them, or motorcycles. They, we got, uh, I think... You know, women do this with their homes and their, and their spaces. There's, there's something in us that wants to look at something that is like maybe kind of old and ugly and see if we can't make something beautiful out of it. I think, I think something that I've, it's always been something that I've been interested in. I love the shows where they take old houses and they rebuild them. We're doing it with Chase's house right now. God has blessed Chase and Elle with this incredible property, but the house itself, it is a mess. And we know that God's going to do something cool with it, 
But we also know that it's going to take a lot of work to get there. So we've begun the process, and we've been working on the, the house, and it's been this interesting thing because, you know, on the inside, it gets super complicated. you got to get all these things written off and, and uh, make sure that you go through the proper channels and that everything gets accepted and, you know, that you have all the proper paperwork and all this stuff, and we want to remove a wall, but it's load-bearing, so you got to then, you know, put a beam in above the ceiling, and it's all this stuff. you got to make sure it's okay. So we just skipped all that and started on the outside. <laughs> it was like, well, we'll get to that. We want to get them in, but you know, at the same time, it's not something we can really control on our own. So we started working on the outside. We, you know, we started working on, on painting and priming and going through and uh, using caulking on all the little cracks and crevices all along to make sure that bugs aren't getting in and all these little things. So it's just this interesting process, but it's been so crazy, the transformation just from the outside just with what a little paint can do. Little sanding and a little paint can go a long, long way. How many know what I'm talking about? Some of you, all you need is a little sanding and a little paint. You're going to be good as new. It's this beautiful thing, right? You, we love this idea of renewal. We get to the house, and it was so crazy getting there. And the first times we saw it was like, okay, it's got potential. But then suddenly, we start doing this work. And by the time we're done with the majority of the outside, we look back and I'm like, dang, this house is looking nice. This place is looking right. We love, I think most of us love this idea of renewal. I think it's embedded in us. I think it's designed within us. I think it's not just something that is just by happenstance. I think different people find different ways of, of showcasing this because I think it's within the heart of each of us. It's part of the eternity the spiritual development, the, the part of that God has placed within us to want to see things restored. I think God designed us this way. I think that we see this throughout Scripture. And something I'm really excited about as we continue the series in the way is kind of getting to this place. God's been really working on this idea within me of the why. My dad spent this a lot of time last week talking about um, this, some of the spiritual disciplines. And if you didn't hear it, Go listen to it. He broke it down in a really cool way. He talked about disciplines that you disengage and disciplines that you engage. The, discipline, uh, the disengaging disciplines are the ones like silence and solitude. It's the things that you take away. You don't, you're not necessarily proactively doing something. You're actually disengaging from something. So it's silence and solitude and simplicity. It's Sabbath. Right? We love... We love uh, we love the ideas of some of these things, but I think in practice it gets really complicated and really busy and really hard really fast. But I love talking about this stuff because I think it's game-changing for us. In a culture that wants to just entertain you, we're trying to help give you the tools to not need entertainment because we're here on mission. To just preach a really good message that you won't remember in a couple weeks anyways. Right? That's the funny thing about all this. So much pressure. I get up here and I'm like, do you remember what I said last time I was up here? Doubt it. I don't remember what I said last time I was up here. <laughs> but I think when we talk about the way, there's these things that have been kind of God has been putting in my heart. And it always comes back to the why for me. I talk about this a lot. But it's com it comes back to the why. Why do we do what we do? Why did you show up today? Why are you sitting in your seat? Why are you here? Why, why are we interested in this? Why? Why does this matter? Why do we care? 
Do we care? Maybe you're here today to decide if you do or don't. This is what I think it comes back to because for me, when we start talking about the why, when we start looking at what's really going on, it's not just for a someday heaven. It's for something I believe God wants to do right here, right now, and it's this idea of renewal. A couple years back, it was uh, 2015, I would say, um, no, 2013, I was in college, and I was home, and I started feeling just this, this weightiness of what God wanted to do in the valley, and I was going through Bible college and trying to figure it all out, and um, God put this specific section of scripture on my heart. So I'm going to read from this today, and we're going to kind of land here, break this down. Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. This is a little bit longer, so I'm just going to read it. You can just follow along with me. Starting in verse 37, it says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the words of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I commanded, as I was commanded. And I was as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked at the tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up. On their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will, settle in your, I will settle you in your land, in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I've done it, declares the Lord. I read this, and I was just like overcome, overwhelmed. Like there's this crazy like story taking place that really, you know, for all my nurses in the room, this just, you know, this just doesn't make any sense. This idea that bones could come back to life, that, that these this valley of dry bones. And to me, it was really closely connected to what I felt when I looked over the AV, to be dead honest. I looked out over the AV and I'm like, yeah, there's lots of dead bones. You go to Walmart, you see all of them. (laughs) You know, there's this this roughness to our community, to our culture. There's this dryness, this emptiness, this this sense of uh, looking around and it shows just in our landscape. Not saying there's not beauty to it, but it is dry out there. 
And I was praying, and I remember sitting there and just believing, believing God wanted to do something new, believing God wanted to do something fresh. And at the time, we're living in a trailer. We, God had put on my parents' hearts to sell our house. We ended up living in a trailer for like nine months. And all the while, I'm in college back and forth, but I'm home at this point. It's in the middle of summer, and I start feeling like God just said, I, the, where we were living, you could see over the whole valley. And I just, I felt God just saying, Pray. Prophesy to this valley. Speak life over this valley. So I began to speak. And this became so embedded in me that at the time when we were running youth ministry, you can ask my youth leaders, this like became our driving force, our why, our motto was we were going to see renewal and life transformation take place in this dry place, in the Antelope Valley. And we began believing for it. We got bracelets that had skull and crossbones on it as a symbol of it with the verse connected to it we we promoted it everywhere we went our kids knew about it we believed this thing but here's the thing about renewal here's the thing about restoration it's so much easier to believe for it somewhere out there to get involved in some kind of how we're going to fix the world and change it out there and what i didn't realize at the time was that god was beginning it right here See, for me, renewal and restoration and revival and all these things were not something that was just supposed to happen out there in a movement. We get so, I think this idea of a movement is intoxicating. It's this, man, we get to be a part of something big. We get to get out there and do something crazy. And all along the way, what I didn't realize is God was doing exactly what I was asking him to do. But it wasn't in the way that I thought he was going to. It wasn't that suddenly people were, started flocking to church, hungry and desperate for the word of God, desperate for something new. It wasn't that all of a sudden worship came alive and people just found themselves just like, just bowing before God in awe and wonder of his glory and majesty, just lost before him by how good he is for, for loving us despite our sin and brokenness. We didn't have our church bursting at the seams and having young people, you know, everywhere changing their schools. It started a lot more simply, a lot more quietly, right here. See, I think it's so much easier when I start thinking about the idea of, of renewal, of restoration, to think that it's a movement outside of us. But in reality, God can't help us to be a part of something that hasn't hit us first yet. When we talk about the disciplines and we talk about these things, it's interesting because what God is beginning to teach me more and more is that our relationship with God is the center of renewal. I believe with all of my heart that God wants to begin to do something incredible, something new here. I do. But I think that it's interesting, when I look back at this, you see Israel at the time is, they're in exile. They're, they have this, this connection with God, this, they, you know, it's uh, this covenant with God that is agreed upon that they would live the ways of God and that he would be their God and they would be his people, but they kept going through this where they lost their why. And so with the loss of a why, they started just like mindlessly going through the motions and following the rules, but then they re you begin to rebel and be angry at and reject. When you feel like there's a dictator over you, what's your first response? We want to push back against dictatorship. We don't want someone to just control. We don't want these heavy bonds over our lives. We want freedom. 
right? I believe each of us want freedom. So Israel would forget their why. They'd go through the process. They'd rebel against it eventually, and God would give them over to their sin. A people group would come and take over them, and eventually they lost their land. They're scattered throughout. And in Ezekiel, be he's beginning to tell them that he's going to bring them back. He's going to restore them. But it's interesting because as much as they are used to these ornate ceremonial cleansings that they would have to do, these washings, and all of, they'd have to observe all these specific things to make sure that they were clean before God. It sounds so much similar to how we do church still. In today's day and age, in American church, we get lost in the religious observations. We talk about disciplines, and it's like, well, you got to read your Bible, and then you got to pray, and then you got you to journal for the period of time. And if you get some time, you know, you should probably memorize some scripture. And, like, who has time to memorize scripture? I don't know. We're lucky if I get to church this week. You know what I mean? Like, but it becomes these rules, and they start to feel heavy, and they start to weigh on you. And suddenly you're like, I don't even want to do this. I don't feel like doing any of this. Because it's not for freedom. We lose our why. Ezekiel 36, you go back a little bit before he, he starts prophesying to these bones. In Ezekiel 36, what is interesting is there's this communication of that God is going from this external cleansing, this external fixing of what's going on in Israel and for his people. And he starts transforming it and turning it into an internal cleansing. And this is what he says in, in Ezekiel 36, verse 25 and 26. It says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So something cool happening here. The really interesting thing about prophetic scripture is that it, it has moments in time where, yes, it is contextual and it is specific to this people group and this era for Israel at this time. God is going to restore Israel. Historically, he did. He brought them back into their land. But this is also a foreshadowing of events yet to come. You see, it wasn't just about what was happening right here, right now. It was what was coming soon later on. And we see it in John chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. He's beginning to refer to something that you and I still do today. Anybody ever been baptized? The moment we enter into relationship with Jesus, we believe we receive his Spirit, that he, he breathes his Spirit into us, and we now are led by his Spirit. We are baptized and then we are led by the Spirit of God. When we invite Jesus into relationship, when we invite him into, into our lives, we invite his Spirit to begin to lead us, to direct us. And I think this is incredible because we're talking about the restoration of this remnant people group of, of Israel. And God is going to do this big thing externally. But I think it's so interesting that where he starts is internally. How many of us want to get behind some big social justice movement? We want to change sex trafficking or, or fix the environment and global warming or, or, you know, the injustices here, there, and the other things. But isn't it so funny that some of, so many of us were quick to go fix something out there, neglecting the mess that's right here? 
I want to go, you know, save the world. And yet I can't even be nice to the server who messes up my food at a restaurant. I used to work at a restaurant. Church people are the worst. Yo, you go to, you go to a restaurant after church on Sunday? I never had so many just aggressive and like unkind people in my life. I swear. It was unreal. I was like, you guys give every Christian a bad name. And then I'm acting, you know, I'm acting all out of sorts. What if God wants to do something that is going to transform our valley, our state, our, our world, our country? But what if rather than going out and trying to fix some big thing and change the world, God begins changing the world right here? What if your connection to God, our, our observing of spiritual disciplines is not about religion at all. It's about making sure that we're in tune so that when God sends us on mission, we actually look like him when we're doing it. That maybe there is something deeper inside of us that longs to bring restoration to the world around us. Anybody want to see your family restored? You got kids who are wayward, not following Jesus? I know my parents, I left my parents praying for a couple seasons. They weren't sure what they were going to end up with. Some of you, you want to see restoration of your relationships, of your marriages. You want to see, but I think this is the thing is, we want to go through all the steps of doing the big thing, the glamorous thing, the glorious thing. We, want to, we live in a culture now that glamorizes fame. We idolize famous people. Back in the day, you had to do something extraordinary to be known. Today, because of the internet, you could do something stupid on YouTube and get famous overnight. Right? You can make millions of dollars all of a sudden with a stupid video on YouTube that you did something that is not even that great. I think it's so interesting, because as we've been praying, me and my dad have been talking a lot about this idea of the way. Because what I, what I think is so sad and what hurts is in modern church today, it just feels like we've lost our passion for what we do. That when we come to church, it's so easy to like go through the motions of your week, be busy on social media, do your thing, and it never connects to this idea that God wants to be intimately involved in all of those things. That heaven wants to touch down on earth and God wants to do something that makes no sense to reconnect us to himself, to each other, and to his creation the way that it was intended. And that in doing so, we might actually begin to see things that we say we believe, but if I were to really push it, I wouldn't be so sure we believe. Do you know that the foundation of our faith isn't a dead guy that came back to life? Y'all. Did you know that? We say, we, this is the thing. Like, I realize these inconsistencies in myself. I say I believe this. And then I feel God putting on my heart, you know, to go to school or to do something different, to, do, to step out. And I don't even have the faith to, to trust that he's going to take care of those things. I have to, in one breath, say, I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. And then in the next breath, I have to say, I don't actually believe that you're going to come through. That you're going to protect me, that you're going to save me. There's this haunting question. 
In John 11, 25 and 26, Lazarus, one of his best friends, has just died. And Jesus shows up on the scene like four days late. And Martha is a little irked by it. Her brother is dead, and she believed that Jesus could have healed him if he would have come sooner. Now, this is interesting. This is what Jesus asked her. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Folks, this is, our, this is the question for us this morning. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? I think it's the question that's being asked to all of us. Scripture all of a sudden is popping out and it's asking you a question this morning. Because renewal is begging to take place. God is asking for something to shift, for something to change. But rather than going out and we got to get to the street corners and let everybody know. And we got to get our megaphones and we got to, you know, stand our ground on Facebook and go on all these rants. What if it just starts with shutting up, sitting down and listening for a little bit? Spending some time and allowing Jesus to renew our hearts so that when we speak, we sound like him rather than like everyone else that is angry and hateful and spiteful and judgmental and harsh. But we start to sound a whole lot more like Jesus. I think it's so interesting because he asked her this question and she's like, yeah, I believe. Yeah, you're the resurrection. You're going to come back. But even in this moment, she's not necessarily making the connection that he can do this for her very brother right then and there. These limitations were placed in her mind on what God could do because well, you can, what Jesus could do because if you could come earlier, she's frustrated. If you could have come earlier, you could have healed him, but now it's too late. If you would have come when he was sick rather than after he died, it would, it's now too late though. You missed, you missed the opportunity. Yes, I believe you're the resurrection and the life. You see this like... This disconnect, there's this disconnect, and I think it's the same thing that we each struggle with. Yes, God, I believe that you are the resurrection and you are the life. However, I'm not going to leave my house because I'm terrified that I'm going to die every time I walk out my door. I'm going to believe for this, but I'm not going to trust you when it comes to who my spouse is going to be or if I'm going to have one or if life is going to take care of my kids or, or what comes next in my finances or if I'm being called to do something to step out in some way. To do things God's way in and of itself is an act of faith. To believe this, what are the limitations that we place on God? What if when we go to God and, and doing these spiritual disciplines, it's not so that we can appease God, but in knowing that God is already pleased with us as a result of what Jesus did. And when, God, when we've invited Jesus into our lives, God sees Jesus when he sees us. This is no longer about making God happy. This is now about becoming part of the solution, the restoration of all things. Starts with us. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says it this way, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast. I think why we're so addicted to religion is because when it comes down to it, we're selling a product that we've never used. You know what really ineffective salesmen are? The ones who actually don't use their own product. 
Salesmen who don't believe in their own product, it's really hard to convince people effectively that, what, that you believe in what you're, what you're trying to get other people to believe in. I think many of us approach God this way, our relationships with God. We say it is by grace through faith that we've been saved, but when it comes down to it, I can tell you firsthand experience in my own life when I have to trust on God's grace, that I'm saved by his grace and not by being good enough because I can't be and I couldn't be and I will never be and I continue to sabotage myself and continue to, to wreak the, you know, the effects of past choices affected by what, what I've done, what life has brought me and what I, the ways that I've responded to it, selfish and ugly. Y'all, it is by grace through faith. By grace through faith. The crazy thing is the grace is already there, but it is only activated by faith. It is only activated by faith. You ever seen uh, the thing where they take a two liter of soda and then they place a Mentos in it and it's this explosion? It, it is activated. There's this chemical reaction this, that is activated by this Mentos entering in to this soda. You see this massive explosion, right? Very similarly, Grace is always there and accessible. It is activated by our faith in believing that it's there and that it is for us. So many of us today have to start out by understanding and accepting there is grace for you today. For no matter how short you've come, no matter what you've messed up in, no matter in what ways that you, have, you judge outwardly because you feel judged inwardly, and God is saying that this is for you today, it takes the first step of faith is in saying, I take ownership. You know why we can't take ownership of a movement outside if we don't take ownership of a movement inside? If we continue to, to victimize ourselves, this has all happened to me. I'm not, we don't take responsibility. You can't change what you don't own. I couldn't change. I could never change. I can never change what I don't own. To take ownership is to then sit before God and say, okay, I'm not just a victim to everything that's happened in my life. I'm actually also part of the problem. I have been part of the problem. I want to bring revolution. I want to bring change. But I am myself am also part of the broken story of this world. Y'all, this morning, there's good news. I believe God wants to do some incredible things in our valley. I believe we would be shocked by the miracles, by the, by the incredible things of God that when heaven touches down on earth, things that we would be like, yeah, I believe in God, but I never thought that was possible. So crazy. I believe that he wants to do it in our time, in our day, in our moment, right here, right now. But I believe that it starts when we choose to take time to read scripture or memorize it or, or study it, to pray, that we take time to talk to God and commun like, communicate with him. We take time to worship. This is not something that you've got to do to make God happy with you. Y'all, he has already taken on the cross. Your only job is to allow that grace to overtake you. Your faith activates it. I believe that this is a promise for me, not just for everybody out there, but y'all, you really have to believe this when it's God saying it to you. When you're the one that needs the grace, can we believe that God offers it freely? Does your shame and your guilt keep you from being able to truly accept that this grace is personalized for you? That you can continue to mess up, you can continue to struggle, and the grace never runs out. Yes, God is wanting to restore us and renew us, but that starts when we participate with him. 
Our job is to allow him to take over, and we get to just enjoy being part of the process. It becomes freedom. Spending time with him removes the weight of stress, the weight of guilt, the weight of shame, the weight of unworthiness. And he doesn't wait for you to get it all together to start making you a part of the outward-facing story. Because once we learn it, we can start living it. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, Hebrews eleven six says, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and re- that he rewards those who seek him. The spiritual disciplines is nothing more than a way to, ways to seek him. Y'all, can we live in a way that begins to allow God to become part of more than just our Sundays, but becomes part of our everydays? That as God restores and renews us, we begin to see this transformation when we would otherwise get angry in line when we get cut or when we get like when somebody cuts us off in traffic i think some of these things are meant to reveal the ugly that's still inside of us anybody got ugly inside of you i do i know i do god keeps showing it to me thank you jesus i think that's why we avoid these things sometimes spiritual discipline spending time with god because what comes up is the ugly that's inside, and then God's not doing it to, to condemn us, but to reveal it to us so he can free us of it, to hand it over to him and say, okay, but I love you. It's amazing what unconditional love begins to do in our hearts. We're going to worship, and we're going to pray. I'm over. Worship team comes up. We're going we're gonna to take some time to just spend with God. Y'all, where does it begin with you? Where are you at today? Do you feel indifferent, apathetic in your relationships with God? Are you going through the motions? Are you in survival mode? Do you find yourself exhausted over it? Maybe interested, but maybe beat up and not quite sure this is for you. Where are you at today? Because the faith that it's taken to believe that there is a God who sent his son to die on a cross to raise again, wants to resurrect, I think, the dead bones of our dreams, of our hopes, of our stories. I think it's the same God who wants to redeem and restore his creation, his bride, his church, his people. He does it in us individually so that we can come together as one, unified. When he starts to do that work in us, all of a sudden, judgment goes away. Insecurities go away. We become each other's teammates rather than each other's enemies. And we start to see the powerful work of God. I believe he wants to do it here right now. We're going to pray. Jesus, I just pray against the spirit of apathy. I pray against the spirit of indifference. God, I pray that you would do something, that you would stir something in us. Even if it's not from this message, that's irrelevant. God, I pray that it would spark a question of our why, that it would cause us to begin to dig in, that we would begin to look for the deeper things, that we'd begin to seek you in our personal lives so that we can become part of the restoring act that you want to do in this valley. God, I pray that we'd become proactive in seeing dead bones come to life, 
spiritually dead folks, people who were far from God, experiencing hope once again. God, I pray that today would mark a moment in time where we begin to live by faith and our story becomes characterized by faith than by, rather than by fear. I pray that you would do something fresh, that you would do something new in each of our hearts, God, that it would cause us to dig in deep, to look at you, to hear your voice, to answer the call. God, I thank you that you invite us into relationship freely today. That it is by grace that we've been saved. That it is not by works. You are not looking for external cleansing and more religious observance and more, uh, you know, traditions and other things. God, you are looking for our hearts to want you, to long for you, to seek you out and to believe that if you are capable of transforming the world through Jesus, that you may just be able to heal our broken parts, to use us too. God, we just thank you for what you're doing here today. Pray that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand? We're going to worship as we close. Oh, yeah.
love you so much, Journey. We'll see you guys next week. Have a great day.